Bonjour, welcome to the More Way Thinking podcast. Or more what for short, hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the man cave every week. Hope you're doing well. Of course, we've got the big interview Monday. If anyone gives a shit, um, <laughs> Megan and Harry. Uh, oh my god! I was, a lot of people will be listening to it, so we may laugh. But for me, I interview people on here that are far more interesting. Their journeys and their stories. Uh, mean a lot more to me personally than listening to that load of nonsense. But if you're into royals, then maybe it's, it's your bag. It's Oprah's bag, apparently. But anyway, this podcast is streamed on all the usual platforms. If you do listen by Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating. It makes a huge difference. The video of the chat, if you want to see these beautiful faces on My Way Thinking Podcast. Also, take a look at previous podcasts. Last week, uh, we did Mental Health Week, which was fascinating. Three specialists on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, all giving brilliant advice to people because we've all been suffering a little bit. Um, so, yeah, if you get a chance, listen back to that. We had Oliver Price on this week, who is just a cracking guy. So lots of brilliant episodes. And going forward this year, the interviews are just getting bigger and better, so make sure you keep listening in and subscribe. Now, what is my way of thinking, I hear you ask? Well, it's all about us, amazing human beings that all have a story to tell. Now, those stories can vary massively, but with the guests I'll be interviewing, you'll always be able to take a little bit of advice or insight into how extraordinary we can all be. Remember, four rules, one, no bullshitting, two, no judging, three, no negativity, and four, have fun. I wonder if they, they uh, Oprah used those rules when she spoke to Ari and <laughs> Meg. We'll find out Monday. But this is far more interesting because today I'm speaking to the brilliant Vanessa Bailey. Uh, known Vanessa for a long while. She's just getting bigger and bigger within the film scene. She's done some short films that are just fantastic. You can see some of them on, um, on YouTube now. And as we talk through the interview, we find out she's just signed for a first feature. Just phenomenal what this lady's doing. She's just a joy to speak to, so you'll love this episode. So this is me speaking to Vanessa. So a big welcome to my special guest today, the brilliant Vanessa Bailey. Woo! Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you very much. <laughs> how, are you, how are you this morning? I'm really well. I've got my, I've got my tea. <laughs> yes, I've got no. my McDonald's cappuccino. <laughs> But, but, but the, the big question is what's actually really in here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that'd be for a later recording. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I've been, I've tried to be, be good like everyone else because we're in lockdown. It's so easy to just, you know, drink too much, eat too much. Uh, but this morning I just thought, okay, I'm having a cappuccino. I'm, I'm ordering a McDonald's. I haven't ordered one for weeks and it was beautiful. And this cappuccino <laughs> is what, and it came so quick. They're really good, aren't they? You can see why they do so well. I mean, they're unbelievable. Yes, yeah. yeah. Have, you been out, have you been eating out much or anything like that, getting deliveries? Uh, I've definitely been getting fatter. <laughs> definitely been eating. We all um, No, I mean, I mean, the kids have... I don't really do delivery that much, but the, the kids have definitely been, like... People have been turning up on my doorstep with all sorts of food at <laughs> early hours of the morning. <laughs> It's the kids, okay. in it? The kids love it. <laughs> yes. I tell you what I've been doing as well. When I've been shopping, shopping's more of an event now. I mean, I, I, I hate shopping. We yeah. always used to get it delivered. But now I've, I've actually gone out to shop and thought, oh, yeah. get this nice meal and, you know yes. what I mean? Yeah, so the one thing I do do, um, and I, I've never been a, like a massive takeaway coffee person, unless I'm on the tube and going somewhere and, you know, I haven't, yeah. But what I do now every day is I, I have, um, I've got four dogs, so I, I, I can't remember what you're supposed to, how many walks you're supposed to have, but I have two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I go out and um, I walk into town and I find a small coffee shop and I buy, I, so I buy two takeaway coffees a day um, and like cake if there's something there and if I don't eat it, that my husband will. And I, I've made that a thing that I do every day so that I'm yeah. going out twice a day. I'm supporting a small business. Yeah. Um, smiling at people and trying to chat to people if they want to stop and chat, you know, cause quite a lot of people do. So I've, I've made that a bit of a, a bit of a routine. Yeah. yeah. And I've really, really like 
kept doing that. That's yeah. really nice. That's that's a good point. I mean, we could talk about this mm. later, but routine's a, a massive thing. I'm t- hopefully getting mm. some mental health specialists on next week because I think everyone's mm. really at the end of the tether now. And routine yeah. is such an important thing. Like you say, just something simple like that it makes a whole lot of difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it really, it really, really does. And I think just engaging with people because we're stuck in our houses so much, um, getting out and just, I mean, I've always quite liked chatting to strangers anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a weird way, I hope. Um, But, but, you know, I think people have really leapt at the chance for that social interaction that they're a little starved off at at the moment. So it's been really nice to go out and just, chat to people about and when you have a dog it's like a conversation magnet you know he's quite a big dog one of them is quite big as well so um, oh is he what sort of dog is he so i've got a rhodesian a ridgeback great ding oh have you wow so they're all they're all a little bit nuts and they're all like weird mixes and then i've got a doberman who is an ex breeding ex puppy farm breeding bitch wow so she's like an absolute wreck but and she's mad as a hatter. Oh, <laughs> mad as a hatter. Um, so we've got her, the Doberman, and then um, we've got Alfie, who is um, came from um, the Azores, some charity found him. Like he's a feral one. Yeah, so yeah. He's a real challenge, and he's a, a bull. T- his mother's a bull terrier, and he's bull terrier sort of Tyrannosaurus Rex cross. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex, love it. He's a bit of a handful, so we're doing some training with him. But yeah. Oh, oh well, I've got two boxes, and I'll tell you what. What one thing with I mean, there is matters. But one thing about lockdown, you know, uh, they've loved it. They they're going to be when everything's back to normal. You know, every day coming in, lying down next to you. Um, yeah. But there's something quite beautiful about. You know, the, you, when you're at the end of your tether and you're really stressed, you just look at the dog and the dog's like, just chill. Oh, they're great. They're great company. Yeah, because they don't change. Like, the world's the same for them. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. actually, that leads us on to the, the stories this morning because I did know you're a dog lover. Um, <laughs> I do my own work. Um, yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll go through these stories, then we'll talk all about you and obviously what you've been up to. But first of all, I always like to talk about a couple of heartwarming stories or, or happy stories because the news mm. is just so bloody miserable. <laughs> uh, so I've got a heartwarming one and then a really funny one. Which do you want first? Uh, let's have a heartwarming one first, okay. shall we? Yeah, let's go for that. Okay, so um, it's no secret animals often do the sweetest things and one dog's captured the hearts after he showed just how much he cared about his owner. A golden retriever was filmed refusing to leave his sick owner's side as he slept with a ventilator for the first time. The dog named Mayo, uh, who lives in uh, the Henan province, I think that's China, I'm not sure. Two-year-old Mao can be seen in the clip, and I'll put a picture on the YouTube video, uh, next to his, his laying on his chest, oh, next to his oh. owner, and he's just looking at him, and this guy's like got a ventilator on, and he's just... Uh, this guy suffers from high blood pressure and heart disease and sometimes can experience cardiac arrest, so the doctor suggested sleeping with a ventilator. Uh, the adorable pooch seems more concerned about, you know, the owner, despite uh, the guy saying, look, I'm okay. He's just there on his chest <laughs> looking at him. Just, you know, it's, it's a beautiful picture. Now, now, this is the interesting thing. We, we've touched on this a little bit, but... This comes after us. This is the sad part. This comes after a survey revealed that over a third of dogs bought or adopted during coronavirus oh, have never been the park. So, according to new research, pet wellness expert, as many as three and five lockdown dogs have never left their home. And if that weren't sad enough, two of the pups have yet to be introduced to another dog, which I think is important. Um, Very the res- yeah, yeah, yeah. The results show that 71% of new owners are concerned their dog will have separation issue, uh, related issues once life returns to normal, which is what we, we just talked about. More than 40% have also experienced re- regret over the decision to purchase a puppy. That pisses me off. Uh, with many admitting they haven't realized the amount of work that goes into raising and caring for a dog. Yes. 
So no, I, I think the whole point of, I mean, that's a gorgeous story. It's mm. a gorgeous story. Yeah. The whole point of having a dog, I would have thought, or one of the points in lockdown is that you then can go out and take them for a walk. <laughs> so I don't know why these owners are keeping them in the house, but dogs are really hard work. They and are. Puppies, we everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's not, they're not like in the toilet roll advert. <laughs> Yeah. You know, they are really hard work. So I, I, I'd noticed that people had started adopting, you know, rescue dogs. And I thought that that's not necessarily going to go well because yeah. people who have had dogs don't understand how much. Yeah, work. especially if it's a rash yeah. decision because of lockdown, which we all do. I did one today. I'm mm. at McDonald's. Rash decision. Mm. But a dog <laughs> is a totally big responsibility for the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. So yeah. I just hope. You know, if people are getting dogs, just think about the dog sometime. Um, exactly. And just take the responsibility on. You yeah, know, yeah. Because if people don't, that really annoys me. You know, it's like... Yeah, yeah. They expect yeah. It, the yeah. dog... What do they expect the dog to learn how to, pop, you know, <laughs> toilet train itself? <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. Give me the funny one, Mandy. Okay. <laughs> I'll see if it's the same funny one because I've got a funny one as well. So let. Oh right, okay, excellent. <laughs> right, but th th this one's just a quick one. This is about dogs as well. Uh, a woman in Canada has been fined for breaking COVID curfew by walking her husband on a lead. <laughs> when stopped by police, she claimed that her partner was in fact a dog. <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday, Quebec. Uh, oh, that's the night. Uh, oh no, Quebec said. Uh, that people, obviously the country Quebec, said that people <laughs> would have to stay indoors between 8 and 5, 8 p.m. Uh, and 5 a.m. in a bid to hold the spread. However, dog walkers are allowed to be outside during this time. Right. Police stopped the pair in Sherbrooke at around 9 p.m. just after the rules took effect. Both of them were fined uh, £893. <laughs> now, that's a big fine, you know. fine. Yeah, despite claiming they were acting within the rules for pets. Uh, Isabel Gordon of Sherbrooke Police Department uh, said they did not cooperate with the police at all. So it sounds like they've been given... <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the guy... Uh, and the woman said she would not uh, pay the ticket. Uh, the paper said... Uh, yeah, the paper said 19 tickets of, of breaching the curfew uh, were issued on that night. So that's quite fun. And now there's no picture. I've looked for the pictures. No pictures. Oh. So I could put it on. Uh, I, I wouldn't search for that picture too hard because <laughs> you never know what might come up. I know, yeah. Woman with man on dog lead. Gimps and all sorts will come up. The one, the story I heard, and probably a lot of people have heard this because it's quite recent. Um, so there was a guy who um, who um, had a, had a, I think it was a greyhound. He has a greyhound, and he'd noticed that the um, dog had been limping, and he was taking it for walk, and the dog had been limping, and so he took the dog to the vet. I think it cost him quite a lot of money, and there was absolutely nothing wrong with the. I feel like you know the story. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the dog. And then in the picture, when they show you the picture of the owner, you can see that he'd, he'd hurt, damaged his leg and was limping. And it turns out that the dog was just <laughs> limping in sympathy with the owner. And there was nothing, it was sort of like, yeah, em empathic limping. Like, I thought that was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. It was on the... Yeah, it was on this morning, weren't it? And uh, I love it. I love that because the guy, <laughs> the fact he took it, the vet, we know how expensive vets are. And I know. Scanned it. And I mean, once you have a scan, that's five, six hundred quid. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but, I if it, but if people check the video out, there is a video online and the dog is just limping right next to me. I know. <laughs> Anyway, a lot of love for the lot of love for the dogs. So, um, right, so let's start your chat now. Whereabouts did you grow up, um, Vanessa? So I am from Bristol. All right. uh, Bristol born and bred, isn't it? Um, so I can always spot a fake Bristolian accent <laughs> when they have them in television shows. I'm like, no, that's Wiltshire. That's not Bristol. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was born in, born in, in Bristol. In um, I grew up in a place called Fish Ponds, which right. didn't have any ponds at all, as far as I know. Um, <laughs> my dad was a builder, and my mum uh, was a, a hairdresser. All right. And um, we were, my brother and I were the first generation to go to university 
it, you know, like, it, was, it, was a, it was a big thing. Um, so yeah, I grew up, grew up in Bristol and my husband, we met, came from Bristol as well. But then after that, we kind of, we've moved around quite a lot. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a Bristol girl. So where yeah. did the, so obviously you're very creative. Uh, where did you first start noticing that? Was it something you'd always had when you were at school or was, did it come later on? Well, I mean, it was, it was, I, I think it comes from both of my parents actually, <clears throat> but you know, they came from a generation where you did school for us and then you left school and went into a job. Yeah. So my dad did a like mechanics apprenticeship and then went into building and he was a roofer and a decorator. And my mum, you know, they left school at whenever it was and she um, went into, into hairdressing. But, but my dad was very, very good at painting. He took up like, watercolour painting just off his own back, didn't really go anywhere with it because like, you know, the culture um, is you, you earn money. That's kind of like your, yeah. your whole life, you know, you, so you don't have a lot of money or time for like, you know, cultural activities. But um, he definitely had that artistic streak. My mum was incredibly musical, incredibly musical, never had the opportunity to take it anywhere at all. But when you heard her singing around the, she was an incredibly good dancer. And, um, and when you also, when you heard her singing around the house, you know, she had a beautiful, beautiful voice. And what, what they did, which I'm so grateful for, is they took the attitude that they were going to invest their money and uh, sac make lo lots of sacrifices. We, we didn't really have holidays. We didn't have, all our clothes came from jumble sales and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, but they paid for us to go to private school. So I went to a private school, which was mum's way of giving me all those opportunities that her parents yeah. didn't have the mindset to, to offer her. Um, and so I had, you know, I had, I don't know how they, I don't know how they afforded it. I do know they mortgaged every, like they had debt. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had piano lessons and I had ballet lessons and, um, uh, slightly weird when I had elocution lessons as well. I don't, you know, I don't know why. <laughs> well, you do, um, you do speak very well, Vanessa, not like me. I have much of an Australian accent left. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I, but I think going to private school does that anyway. You kind of, you know, you lose, you do kind of lose your accent. And, and they were very, very, very sacrificial about that. And so I was able to get, I got a, I got a, a scholarship actually, like they, they did means tested ones back in the day. Oh, right. So they were really great. So if you had potential, but couldn't afford the fees, then, then you would get a means tested bursary. So I, I was, and I went through all the posh schools and I went to university and, um, and I think going through that system, um, unfairly because it should be available to all i i mean I, I became a teacher originally so i taught in the state system i taught in the state system so that's the system that i taught in but the system that i was taught in was the private system which was interesting because then yeah. i was able to see the disparity and and kind of try to make it you know try to fill in the gaps a little bit in the way in ways that i could but you know all that culture of drama, art, music, mm. that's so um, so highly valued in the private system in a way that it isn't valued in the state system. Because if it was valued, they'd fund it. Um, and I remember when I was teaching, you know, I just saw cuts, any cuts that were made were made to the music, you know, music provision, yeah. things like, you know, there's no drama, it's just the Christmas thing at the end, you know, yeah. but no drama specialists or art artists, all of that. So it came from that, it came from my parents valuing the arts and allowing me to have those opportunities yeah that's that's a brilliant thing <laughs> and i think what you said about the generation is interesting because it's a massive difference if you just mm -hmm. look i mean it's only a short amount of time in the last 30 40 years where the gener the, you know generations have completely mm -hmm. changed and mm -hmm. there's a lot of negatives we can say about today but one of the great positives is and mm -hmm. i say to my kids you can do absolutely mm -hmm. anything you yeah. want yeah. you yeah. know and i will help you yeah. uh, do you know because it's all about, you know, we all have passions, we all have dreams. And back then, like you say, your parents were working hard for you just to make sure they were earning enough money. And I suppose that comes from sort of the war and, you know, when that's yeah. what we had to do. But yeah. now yeah. the opportunities for young people are just great, aren't they? 
Exactly, and and it's really interesting because none of our kids have gone down the university route, or they they well they started it and it didn't you know it just wasn't for them. And I've always said to the to to my own children, you have to do what's right for you. There's no there's no I think this filters into the way I make films as well. You know, there's no right way to do something. There's no I have no expectation that you're going to do that and that and that and that. I don't like it when I see pressure on young people to you have to you have to do this you have to get these qualifications you have to go to university then you have to do that then you, you absolutely don't so one of my one of my daughters is a hairdresser with like my mum yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the other one is a teaching assistant in a in a in a school in London and my son. Um, has currently been made unemployed twice during. Oh, <laughs> Lord, man. But he's he's just finished writing his first book. Wow! I said, I said it last, and he's not he's not trained to do that at all. Um, but he's spent the time in lockdown. Um, he's he's making money by running games online, like um, uh, what's it? Uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called. Um, Fortnite stuff like that. It's not, Dungeons and Dragons, but it's the it's that there's Warcraft. one where they have the amazing um, American voiceover actors. Oh, well, I don't. I'm about as up to date as you are with games. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't remember which is really annoying. Anyway, he runs those online, so he's been really entrepreneurial, and he's just written this book. And I just think the way that they've all had three very separate individual journeys is exactly what it should be about. You know, yeah. just finding their feet, beginning yeah. to find. Them. And they'll be, yeah. and they're happy, and they're happy, you know, which is yeah. the most important Absolutely. thing, isn't it? Whereas Absolutely. I think years ago it was, you must have an education, you know, you must get that behind you. And don't get me wrong, yes, it is, uh, you know, it's important. But I mean, university, no, no thousand pound a time. You ain't going to go there for fun, are you? And I know when I was, I never went, but I know a lot of my friends did for fun, for the party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I got married in my first year. <laughs> Jesus, you went over the top with your fun, didn't you? <laughs> Took it to a new level. I was, I got, yeah, so I was 19 when we got married. I was engaged before I went to university. Oh, I don't wow. Do my jobs, yeah, so we've been married to like 30. Yeah, wow. I'm 51, so I don't know how, how many years wow, I Wow, that's brilliant. <laughs> Oh, He's a very yeah. patient man. <laughs> well, most men are, Vanessa. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Well, wife's very patient with me, to be fair. Very patient. Um, so, so obviously, you're a teacher. You've been through all that system. Uh, you've got that creative. That, that's been it. You could have had it from birth, who knows. But also, you've done all these different things, which is great. Yeah. It's given you options for dancing, the piano. And that's mm -hmm. a good thing as well. Like you say, get kids, you know, if kids want to try things like my daughter, yeah. says, I don't know what I want to do. I said, well, just, you know, if you want to draw, draw, write, sing, do the lot. It'll all come together. There's, and like you said, a good thing you said there is, I would never push her and say, you must do this. Because I'd hate her to grow up thinking, I wish dad had never top forced me to do this or, or, yeah. or go into this. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that, that's a great point. So where did this, so you're a teacher and then where's the creative side where it's thinking, I want to, I want to start, I guess it was acting that you first started. Yeah, so um, when I was at university, I did a lot of um, musical theatre. <laughs> As you do, yeah. <laughs> and um, like Pinter and Chekhov and plays like that, and I and I really I really got the bug for that. I, I have I don't have any training in any of what I do, none of it at all, um, formal training, um, just on the job stuff. And so I did that, and I worked as a and and then I saw a, an advert in the newspaper, <laughs> uh, an actual newspaper, wow. which was for extras for a, a television series which is being shot I, I was up in Durham and they were shooting um, it was with Jimmy Nail I can't even remember what it was called Crocodile Shoot no, yeah. no that was his album um, <laughs> it was some sort of detective I know which one you mean yeah and um, I got a, I got like I got I went along as an extra and I absolutely like I was just smitten by yeah. not being an extra but 
the set, you know, the storytelling side of things, I was absolutely smitten by that. So then I decided I was going to be an actor. Um, um, but then um, I didn't. <laughs> I, um, I, I realized that, you know, I thought that you had to go to drama school to be an actor. Yeah. And, I, and I realized I couldn't afford that. Um, so I just carried on. I, I qualified and I, I taught. And then when I had, I had the kids about four years, I taught for about four years and had the kids. And then when they were all, and I sort of like stayed around at home to look mm. after them. I like, I like doing that. Yeah. And, um, and then they all, they were all at school and I was like, oh man, maybe I could try the acting thing, you know, that, that's mad, madness. Cause you no, know, I, I'm supposed to go to Varda, right? To do that. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. But, but I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll work as an extra. So I signed up with some agencies. I was still in Bristol at that time. Um, Mad Dog and Phoenix casting were the big ones at, yeah. at the time then. And um, I did loads of extra work on Casualty, Doctor Who, Torchwood, all those things that were shot then. They were shot yeah. in Bristol before they sort of moved up off to Wales or wherever they are now. Um, yeah, Casualty, Holby, stuff like that. And just... Just, I just remember, I wasn't interested in the fame, like the fame of, you know, the, yeah. I was just, I, I was so interested in the process and the, this like scary director person and this camera and like how it worked and the, the illusion of it all and the, the, the kind of the fakery and how they produce that thing that then presents itself on, on a screen as reality. And I absolutely loved it. And I was lucky enough to get asked a couple of times, oh, could you say this line? Could you say that line? Um, but they weren't paying me to do it. They were just like, oh, just pick someone. And because I could, like, I wasn't interested in the people. I just, so I didn't get tongue-tied. I didn't, you know, so I just, I would say some lines and, you know, do it half, you know, half well. And so eventually I ended up getting, like, work as a featured extra quite a lot with a line here and a line there all doing like walking going oh yeah I'll take can you take comments you know all that sort of thing <laughs> and um and I gradually um built up enough confidence to think well I'll I'll do some of these short film free short film things that students you know yeah. I had worked out then that students made short films and you could get a show real so that's that's how I how I got into the acting I did lots of collaborations and got a terrible showreel together, um, sent it off to an agent. I didn't know what to do. Um, got called in for, a, an, I had to do an audition. They were looking for camera actors, you know, screen actors. And I got taken on and I, I just stayed with them. And that was it. I just blagged my way into it, really. You still do it. <laughs> That's how we majority of people sort it. Still, I'm still blagging my way. Yeah, yeah you, you, I think every, every now and again you'll pop up on telly. I'm like, Vanessa. There was an advert. I can't remember. There's an advert the other day. Am I eating a pie? Am I eating a oh, pie? Oh, it could have been. I was like, oh, Vanessa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose it's, it's nice that uh, you've got that little career going where you you know and you get paid for little jobs like that I yeah. suppose that's normal yeah. well, I've done, you know I've done I've been lucky and I I started off doing commercials because you just you start off doing commercials because that's your bread and butter and it's a really good way of learning how a set works you know when you haven't got any experience so I did a lot of commercials as grumpy grumpy wife of <laughs> <laughs> usually car related yeah. like Toyotas and things like that so I was usually like like, like oh you know, doing a lot of that. And, um, and then I said, um, you know, at one stage I said to him, I said to my agent, you know, I really, I want to move on to doing the dra drama because if you can get stuck in commercials and they're great and they're, yeah. they're safe and they're, they were quite well paid. And, but I, you know, they're not the most artistically satisfying thing yeah. to do. You know, there's no massive journey to go on usually. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, and then I was lucky and I got, you know, stuff on these genders and then I got, you know, a thing, a part, um, uh, you know, just one one episode, like feet, like guesting yeah. stuff on White Gold and then... Oh, White Gold, I love White yeah. Gold. I and love... I got flown out to Mallorca for that, that was lovely. Oh, was it? <laughs> it was very homesick. I, yeah, I love so that. I... It's fit. I don't think they're doing another one, are they? I don't think. Is it um, 
I think it's finished now. I think it's finished now. Yeah, I, I did the first the first season, and then Damon Beasley, who's a really lovely director, he he then you know uh, got me along to do something else, like another guest role and something uh, first team that was made the football thing. Um, so you know, I, I I get those, and I really enjoy that. I did I've done EastEnders, which is you know a whole load of cameras. It's <laughs> like there's nowhere to look. <laughs> did you have to, was that just studio, or did you get to go to Albert Square? Uh, I, I I think I walked through Albert. I mean, it's a big complex, isn't it? Yeah. Out in, you know um, wherever it is, the end of the the end. Well, it's of the moved line. now, hasn't it? It's moved now, hasn't it? It's a whole new set somewhere, isn't it? it, it yeah, it may have done. I mean, the one that I I went out to, I think it had. It had the hosp hospital out there as well. I can't really remember, but it was it was it was studio. It was yeah. studio, so it was like their house, and then a doctor's surgery for another episode. Yeah. Um, but it was but it was really nice working with um, can't remember her name, Lacey Tur Lacey Turner. Oh right, yeah, yeah. But, so I had nice scenes with you know yeah. good actors that I could like. I'm like, how do you know all your lines? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and they so work that, and they work hard as well. People don't realise these so no. yeah, I, I don't really watch yeah, them, but, but yeah, they're working every day, like you yeah. say, having to learn them lines straight away, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's you don't get like seventy five takes to get it right, you know, it's yeah. bang, 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 and it's and it, and it's really hard work. It's yeah. really hard work for them. Yeah, I've got a, so much so much respect because you you don't get the luxury of lots of takes it's all based on the sort of technical you did we get it you know did we get it <laughs> okay yeah. moving on <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so so obviously you've got this acting now you've got the acting bug and you're enjoying that and then obviously you turn and start thinking about directing and i've always been interested in this because when i when i first started out obviously i was similar to yourself i had a job and i started making short films things like that. i got in, I, I just i wanted to act when i left school i wanted to act and I, I did a few courses and after a while i sat back and i thought whoa because i've seen some really good actors and i thought I can't do this. They are that good. I'm out my depth. And that's when I thought, but what I do love is being behind the camera and seeing it and, mm. and you know, managing it that way. What yeah. was the transition like with you? How did that happen? Well, so first of all, it was the writing. So um, I, I got, I got fed up with, so you, you know, you hit a certain age as a woman, it's not so much with men, but you hit a certain age as a woman and you begin to realize that you're getting too old to play the mistress, <laughs> but you're not quite old enough to play the dowager <laughs> in Downton Abbey. So you're not quite Maggie Smith, but you're no longer, um, you know, the sort of like decorative <laughs> or whatever. Um, and so you're sort of in this wasteland of, there's, there's not a lot of parts going and and there aren't a lot of parts going anyway and there are lots of named actors all you know so so it really suddenly goes from having you know a few options to like very few options so I decided to write seeing him which was about seven years ago I think um, just because I wanted to play a part that I would find interesting and um, during the process of that I went through about five directors it was, a, it was a, that was a very convoluted shoot. That was a very convoluted production process. Yeah. Um, and eventually I was lucky and um, Chris Jones directed the, the, the final, final yeah. version that finally, we were ha it was two shoots that sort of got merged into one, um, thanks to my editor seamlessly doing that. And um, <clears throat> that process basically just, made me wonder about having a bash myself but then I was really scared about trying to do that and then I accidentally um, and I, then I thought I'm gonna have a break actually because seeing him was really 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 hard work and yeah. a real back to the fire and then one night it I is a it's um a great film though if it's is it still about can people see it on youtube because oh, it's think, just on youtube if you just yeah Google that's where it, i watched you can, it you can just yeah you can just watch it on youtube um and it, and it won a ton of awards i mean it did really well went out to festivals and won and played at rhode island and newport beach and all you know so it, thanks thanks to the team which was a really amazing team and um and then one night i so I thought I'd have a break from all of this <laughs> drama. Yeah, it is stressful. And then I couldn't, I couldn't sleep 
and um, I also lost both my parents in the middle of it as well. So oh. it was a it was a real like everything was happening yeah. all at once, and that was out of the blue. That was a bit of a shock yeah. to me. Sort of a couple of months apart, yeah. and um, so I needed a rest. And then one night I couldn't sleep, so I just came downstairs and started, you know, nothing about on my laptop. I wanted to write something because my head was just, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. So I just plucked a male character and a female character out of the air, not knowing, I didn't have any idea what the story, and I hadn't planned anything, stuck them on a bus stop. And I said, okay, you say something. And then you say something. And then you, and so I was like, okay, she says, he says that. And that was where bus stop came from. And I got to the end of this film, and I don't know if you've watched it yet, but yeah. I got to the end film and I didn't know what the film was about I just kept writing the dialogue and as I wrote it the dialogue moved towards what it's about and I got to the end of it and I thought oh it's about that yeah. <laughs> and, and then I showed it to my husband the next day and I said oh I've written this I've accidentally written this script would you, you could you read it and see what you yeah. think <clears throat> and he said you should make it and I'm like, I don't, don't want to make it. I don't want to get told like it. And he said, well, why don't you direct it? And initially I said, no, I, I'm not a director. <laughs> I don't direct, I act. Um, but in the end I did, I thought, well, how hard can it be? Um, this, this just, and I thought, well, it's just two, it's just three actors. And if I can get great actors on board that I know don't need it, you know, cast well, mm then you don't need to fiddle around with their performances. You just, you know, unless it's for technical reasons, you just let them yeah. do their thing. Have a great team that where you trust them. And I just took, I just took, took that leap of faith in my team more than myself. Yeah. And people were happy to come on board. They read the script and liked it. Yeah. And, um, and so that was my first stab at directing and then i've yeah. done two more since then it, it, it sounds to me like that it sounds to me like that that was a bit of therapy for you you know writing that it because it is it yeah always is. yeah and yeah. i thought and i find that because mm. i've struggled with mental health when i was younger and mm. writing is a great way uh, I had a guy on uh, the other week and he wrote a journal and that helped him. He, he had cancer yeah. and, it, and writing is such a, a brilliant thing because you almost, when you're thinking, you have so many thoughts going throughout the day, especially as a creative, you're probably the same. But when you're writing it down, you're focusing on what you're actually writing. Yes. And the script's exactly yes. the same thing. Is it? It's quite cathartic. It's incredibly cathartic. It's a very expensive form of therapy. <laughs> 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 Make everyone be part of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, writing's not expensive, but when you decide to make a film, then yeah. Uh, but I, lo I love the film. I love the film. And what I love is uh, I love the two shot. It's very, uh, I love the way I see so many films these days where it's all about the editing and chopping and changing. This oh, and it yeah. sends me crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, the film I recently did, it was all long shots and I loved it. Because I didn't want, you know, when people were like, oh, you need to cut here, you need to cut there. And I said, no, people are not stupid. If mm. someone's off camera, but we know they've gone to a fridge, they, they don't, you know, people will work it out. Um, but yeah. I do, I do love that. I had a bit. I was thinking of Steve McQueen. I love Steve McQueen's a great filmmaker. Mm. Uh, and he, have you ever seen a film he did called Hunger? No, I haven't oh, yet. It's a, it's a true story. Michael Fassbender, just when he was becoming famous, it's it's mm. an amazing film. His best film for me. I think it was his mm. first one. And there's a and there's a scene in that where there's a guy just mopping a corridor in a in a jail, and he's there for like five minutes, just mop. And you think. This filmmaker has said, I don't give a shit. I love this shot. And I'm just going to leave the camera there. And I thought that's so brave. So well done on that. Because I thought it was well, brilliant. Well, that was, it, that was really, that was a really funny story with that edit. Because my, my editor that has done all of my films, who's called Chris, Chris Frey, he's yeah. absolutely brilliant. And he, I first worked with him um, when he came on board with seeing him um, via Eddie Hamilton, who is the yeah. editor of Mission Impossible. Yeah. And so Chris was on the team at that point as um, one of the um, you know, assistant editors that just, 
you know, doing that part of a big team, whereas now he's flying out with them to various locations. Yeah. And um, and I've been very lucky that he stayed with me for my filmmaking journey. And I and when we sat down to, I said, would you like to edit, would you please edit this? <laughs> yeah, would you like to? <laughs> and it was great because he came down on set. So I had him on set with me as well, so he was watching everything. And... Um, <clears throat> He sent me, he said, I, I, the way I work with Chris is I say, just go away and, and do your thing with it. And he kind of edits off script. He just edits from the footage, which I love. I don't mind that at all. And he'll come back with something. And, and I watched it and it was beautifully done. And I said to him, Chris, do you like this edit? <laughs> he said, no, not really. <laughs> I thought I'd better give you value for money, not that I was paying him. And, um, and so it was, it was beautifully done, but it was just, as you said, it was too much. So I said, well, what do you want to do, Chris? I said, because what I want to do is I want to start with that two shot and then only muck about with it when we absolutely have yeah. to. He said, yeah, that's what I want to do. So we started with the wide and we only cut into it when the dialogue hit a beat where we felt it was powerful to go in for a close up, but it was really, the edit was led by the story, it didn't lead the story. And so I was really glad when he won an award for his editing because a lot of people wouldn't could it go, oh, there's not much editing. There's loads of editing going on. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the brilliant editing that's going on is when he doesn't, he doesn't mess about with it. And a, yeah. it's only a really good editor that will yeah. not get in the way of the story and want to do stuff, you know. Yeah, so not, not happy trigger finger like these ones exactly. in Hollywood doing Avengers and Christ, no, you don't know which, which way to look. <laughs> Sends me insane. Yeah. I think, you know, and I think the edit has to suit the, te the tone of the film as well. And the film is quite, it's a slow burner and it's about the characters. So it's not really about moving the audience around. We want them to stay slightly awkwardly. Yeah trapped in that bus stop with with those people yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good beautifully lit and just really i like that's the kind of shorts i like you know there's a lot of shorts out there and some are brilliant and some not so much but i love shorts like that i just mm -hmm. hasn't got to be all singing and all dancing just a no. nice little message yeah nice yeah um so obviously now you've got the director's book now directing you have to have a lot of confidence and i think that's where you were saying it was building that confidence up because yes. you're in charge everybody's looking at you and it's like <laughs> i better i better know the answer and if i don't i better know how to wing it <laughs> so so where's this led you to so uh, are you thinking, right, I'm more and more confident now. I want to, I want to write, I want to direct. Where's this leading yeah. to now? Well, um, so I think w w one of the advantages I had, weirdly, was coming to it, having spent lots of time on set the other side of the camera. Yeah. So I wasn't intimidated by a set. And I think that's, and I wasn't intimidated by actors. And I think a lot of directors, it must be really hard to deal with actors mm. because um, I think they're probably probably could be one of the most into it's all very well knowing about your lenses but what you do when an actor doesn't you know is having you know doesn't know what to do or is feeling mm. unsure that's one of the hardest things because a lens i can just ask my dp yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have to know how to bring out a good performance in an actor or not bring it out of them but give them the environment mm. which allows them to be their best um, give their best performance. So that was that was an advantage to me. I think I've just been very, very lucky with the people that have been happy to work with me and they like the way I work um, because I give them a lot of autonomy because they're very, very skilled people. So, I, you know, I don't tell them what to do. I tell them what I want and then they find the way of, to do that. And um, so I've, I've been lucky that I've worked with pretty much the same team, give or take a few um, changes in, in certain roles for um, The Long Walk Home, which was far more ambitious than Bus Stop, and then um, and which Tom Martin shot again, who shot Bus Stop. And then I worked with a different DP for Small Talk because it was locked down and we couldn't be doing people from Birmingham. And, you know, it was just, so it all had to be London-based. Um, and I think my confidence has just come from, you know, the more you do it, the more you realise your own mistakes that you make and, and what you've got to be better at next yeah. time. But actually, I mean, 
where I wanted to go has suddenly landed in my lap a little bit. I don't want to say too much because I haven't signed the contract yet <laughs> or even seen the contract yet. Yeah. But literally yesterday, um, I was hired to shoot a director feature. Wow. Uh, so... Um, which is what I wanted to do was a feature. Stop making shorts. Stop making shorts. That's great. So, uh, and that I don't know what team I will be working with on that. So we'll have to see. You know how. But but I'm really 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 excited about that because that's going to take me again out of my comfort wow, zone, which yeah. is what I like to do, and make me raise my game. And um, yeah, so so that that was what I wanted to do was then go into features or oh, television. Wow. Um, so that's hopefully I won't cock it up. <laughs> Brilliant. Hey, you don't cock anything up. You just learn by your mistakes and move forward. <laughs> Never admit to any mistakes, especially if you're the director. Uh, now, small talk. You actually filmed while COVID, while we're in uh, the COVID yeah. restrictions. Just tell us a little bit about that because I'm quite intrigued about this because it's a whole new way of working, isn't it? So I actually shot small talk, and then I was hired to shoot a TV commercial, which which was for ITV. Uh, what was for our client to go on to ITV, and they were both shot in in lockdown. Um, and uh, yeah, that was that was a bit of a learning curve, but really, it's just common sense in that you know um, you've just got to keep your you you have so you have lots of online stuff that you can do for for small talk. The way we handled it was um, everyone did a certificate. You can do the certificate online. I think it's it's either creative. England or I don't know BFI or something like that and you just go online it's free and you just go through all the stages of what you need to know to be aware of you know health and safety so everyone did that everyone had a certificate before they came on set um you know if you're ill don't come on set (laughs) and then it was that was just a one-day shoot for small talk so we didn't have issues with insurance because you just do normal insurance because you're going to get through the day and that's going to be fine and then we had everyone sign a form at the end to say that if they got ill within a week of shooting, they would let us know so that we could, you know, do yeah. some track and trace type stuff. So, and it's just lots of hand sanitizer, social distancing, <laughs> masks unless you're exempt, you know, lots of wipes. And um, we were lucky to shoot in a location that's actually run, my husband works at normally. So that was already a COVID safe location because actually the trickiest thing for, sh- for sh- shooting now is finding locations because you've got the massive expense of deep cleaning if we go in, deep cleaning when we leave. It's hugely expensive. Whereas this location was already, it has a cleaner oh, there today yeah. and it has a fogging machine and all of that sort of stuff. So that was all really easy. And so when we went to shoot the TV commercial, which is a coffee commercial for a company called Cafe Pod, which you can see online. It's got several locations, but we went back to the, to the church and it's all shot in the church, just in different rooms. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, we were able to keep that very simple and um, that was a two-day shoot. Um, so, you know, you've just got to kind of get over it a little bit and work through it and get on with it yeah. because you can't let it stop. Otherwise, everything grinds to a halt. Yeah. And yeah. so you find the way through and you, you just do that and you just try and keep working. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, but it, is, it does make everything more expensive, I think. Yeah, it's de- for me, I mean, I've been doing a lot of writing in, in lockdown. I haven't done any filming. Um, but it's definitely affected the way I'm writing my next feature. And I'm thinking, how are we going to film this? Hopefully, we haven't got any restrictions. But what I have done is I've thought, right, this is the crew I need. And I've really been sparse yes. about it you know you're not going to have extra people there loads of runners you know can no. this person who's doing the lights do a little bit of running as well yes <laughs> do you know what i mean so that is yeah. definitely in the back of my mind now when i'm doing yeah. projects. yeah well with, with small talk we went through a huge process of changing it in order to be able to shoot it because i'd crowdfunded for it and raised the money before way before um coronavirus came on the you know arrived on our doorstep and um, we, it was originally sh- um, due to be shot outside. Um, and then we got the, one of those hurricanes that arrived. So we delayed the date, <laughs> Agnes or something. Agnes! Agnes. And, and that, that was really wild. And we were shooting on a footbridge. So I was quite glad. We, and we had like a ton of 
we were shooting on a, a mini LF, a, a Alexa mini LF, which is a very expensive, yeah. very lovely camera, which we were lucky to get through Shoot Blue. Thank you, Shoot Blue. Um, so we, we postponed that and then we went back and we shot that. We shot about five minutes of footage and then on this footbridge, with this scenario, this mental, because it's about mental health, because I really yeah. want to do something about men's mental health. And five minutes, and about an hour into the shoot, we got about five minutes of footage. Someone came onto the set and basically um, broke a ton of equipment. So oh I, I've got to go to court. I've got to go to court. <laughs> Next oh one. my god! Um, and, 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 and we were we were literally in a cul-de-sac in a suburb in Teddington. <laughs> It's the most middle class <laughs> outside of a gastro pub. <laughs> oh my god! And he just wandered in from somewhere else. So then, so that got, so that was everything. All our money, all our insurance, everything. Oh. Boom! Shoot over. Three of us down to the hospital to get all our hepatitis checks and stuff like oh. that because he spat on us and stuff. Oh anyway, then I thought, well, I'm going to have to. I did another crowdfund. Everyone was amazing. Did another crowdfund. Rewrote it. And then coronavirus hit, so then I had to rewrite it for inside. But luckily, um, I only had two people in it anyway, because we couldn't have them on a footbridge anymore, because then pedestrians, social distancing, all of that. Yeah. So I completely rewrote it um, to shoot indoors. And I think one of the things we'll be able to spot about COVID shoots is that every interior location has all the windows open. And I've watched it. We've just hit picture lock. Hooray! And yeah. you're kind of watching it back and like, all the windows are open and it looks like, <laughs> it's really, I mean, it was shot in summer, so it kind of makes sense. Oh yeah, well that's good then, yeah. But, but I mean, you know, I think, I think, you know, that's, you're doing a great job as a director because you know you have these things that come up that you have to think on your feet you have to you know you rewrote stuff and i think that's yeah. one big thing to be a great director you've got to be able to think on your feet and you can never stand still and not accept things can change it's no good yes. and i think that's the same for a lot of filmmakers or anything in the film business you know mm. you have to listen to people who who give yeah. ideas and experience you know I'll, I'll some writers will send me scripts sometimes you'll say well maybe you should change this and they will not change it you think you're in the wrong business because it's it's a collaborative thing and if people you know if things happen or people tell you ideas mm. you must be open yeah. to change you know what yeah. i mean yeah, absolutely. And that was the thing I learned with seeing him because I had to rewrite that several times as well out of necessity. Um, and, and I learned as a writer that um, you have to, you know, that whole thing of kill your darlings. Yeah. That's like, you know, anyway, you know, there's no script that can't be, I get, I get scripts sent quite a bit and um, there's no script that can't lose something. Mm. I mean, probably pages and pages really. Yeah. Um, and dialogue. Dialogue. Too much. It's too much. It really dialogue. annoys me. It's like you don't need to explain everything. Explain everything. <laughs> no. I know. I, I mean, know. I, you know, so I mean, I, you, you don't want to say, you know, I don't, what do I know? I know nothing, you know, but when I see some people, you think you just, you got to just look at the basics and do a little bit of, you know. I don't know. I think it's also, you've got to remember that actors do acting and they don't, words are a luxury. Mm. Actors can look at someone and say something. So, so only have the words if you feel there's no other way of, you know, communicating. That's kind of how I, how I approach it. But never, never tell me that you're feeling sad because I should be able to see that you're feeling sad. <laughs> but yes, I think, uh, I think like the thing I've learned with directing is you're, you're absolutely right is that you have to learn to listen to everyone. Mm. And it is an organic process um, because people, you know, you write your script, which then will need changing. The actors will then interpret that differently. Your editor will want to check, make changes. Your DP will have ideas about how to, you know, I never write camera shots into my, mm. I never write anything like that. It's literally just the story because that's not my, well, it's kind of my call as a director, but I don't want that to go. Yeah. I don't say well, camera pans where I'm like, oh, oh, it's a film. Oh, I thought I was in a real moment there, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. You have to listen and learn all of the time. I'm always trying to, on my set, have people mm -hmm. who are much, sorry, that's my phone, who, are, who know much more about everything than I do. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how I get 
the good film at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And so future going forward, you've hopefully this feature film, which is amazing. Yeah. Anything yeah. else planned? Um, well, I would like to write a feature. Um, I would like to shoot some more commercials. I would love to do a music video. I because I'm, I'm a musician, so I would. Oh, I'd love to do a music video. Yeah, it's really hard trying to convince <laughs> someone like um, sort of no, middle-aged woman would like to shoot a bit. I've, I don't have enough tattoos. T-shirts. I would love to um, shoot a music video. That would be amazing. Um, just you know, I'm. I'm just always up for a good story, whether that's a commercial or a music video or a short film or a feature. Um, any, you know, I'll have a bash at any genre. I've, I've, I've got stuck. So I've, we've got to finish post for The Long Walk Home. That's taken a while because of COVID. We've got to finish post for Small Talk. I've, got, I've written a short romantic comedy, which um, we need to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then after that, you know, I'm just... I'm just open to people saying, I've got a good story. Would you <laughs> for me? <laughs> when lockdown's um, finished, everyone's going to be like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do it. It's going to be 100 mile an hour, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great. You know, uh, people, people should. You know, where there's, a, where there's a will, there's a way. That's what I, that's what I found. The crowdfunding's been amazing. Um, all my films have been, through, been made possible because other people have, finance them essentially yeah, yeah. Um, and also genera films who who gave me a grant for small talk which was amazing they're they're br a brilliant funding body because they Who's literally that? who was that genera, genera films oh i've never heard of um, them which is headed up by uh, i think noel clark all right and um they they will literally just look at your script they're not oh, interested right. in anything else yeah. <laughs> it's just, do we like the script um whereas some other funding bodies you know it's quite difficult to negotiate the all the hoops that you have to jump through Ugh. which i don't need to tell you about that right yeah <laughs> crazy I, I give up most of the time because i'm like mm, that you know um so um genera are great and they have two they have the snap rounds and then they have a big one which is a big chunk for a short film mm. and so they helped me finance oh, small talk which is really yeah. good so oh, yeah where there's a will there's a way yeah actually something i've just thought of actually because we spoke about chris jones have you heard anything we met many years ago at the london screenwriting festival <laughs> and i think he put a post on um it, because obviously it's suffering and i would hate to think that's going to disappear because it's such a brilliant event have you heard any news on that or what what's happening with that um, i i i haven't because i i stopped working for them a, a, a few few years ago i didn't stop work you know i was sort of yeah. more into filmmaking but i think there is a there's an online version this yeah. month and then i think they are hoping to do a physical one in september yeah. i think i haven't really sort of yeah look, you're not involved um, anymore no not 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 in not in that way um but yeah i just, I believe I just hope it comes back because it was such a brilliant brilliant event and yeah. when we said about people writing you know that's one thing i'd say go to that event because you will learn so much and i just hope, yeah. it, hope it continues you know yeah, great, great speakers i'm sure it will i mean it's 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 doing stuff now you know it's the, the website is up and you mm. know so mm. yeah brilliant now Best bit of advice. So if you were to give someone a bit of advice, come on, let's have it. What is it? <laughs> well, I feel, I feel very ill-qualified to give advice. But you I think um, one, one, <laughs> well, one thing I would say is don't let anyone tell you there's one way to do something or that you can't do it. I had lots of people telling me I couldn't get into acting yeah. and also I shouldn't make films. So there's no one way to write. It just has to be interesting, right? Yeah. You have to write what you want to write with your voice. So there's no one way to write. There's no one way to make a film. There's no one way to make a film happen. There's no one way to direct. So, so I would say, don't, you know, don't listen to people saying you have to do it this way. There are obviously rules that mean that you will safeguard your end product, but just don't listen to people say there's one way to do anything. And then I would also say, have confidence in the product that you are 
hoping to bring to life and don't compromise mm. on the people that you bring on board don't compromise on your actors that's that's something i see a lot in short yeah. films that that you know it's a really great script but the actors aren't up to the script and you know a great actor will make a terrible script sound amazing but mm. a bad actor will kill a brilliant script it'll be dead in the water yeah. so be really about your casting because your casting if you get your casting right 90% of your job is done yeah you don't you know it's, it's done for you um so don't compromise and and don't be impatient to get something done before it's you know don't put the script out there before it's absolutely down to its bare bones and don't compromise on your team yeah, yeah. and don't, and don't listen to naysay sayers just don't listen to them Oh, Let them yeah. be negative somewhere else. Time to do one. <laughs> nice. Yeah, exactly. it's, really, usually, yeah. it's usually people that wish they'd have done it. That's who it is. The it's, bitter it's, and twisted fools. Yeah, exactly. It's usually the people who aren't doing anything. You yeah. know, and I have and so much support from people who are doing stuff. You know, good filmmakers want to support each other. That's what we want to do. Definitely. Um, yeah. It's not a competition. There's so much stuff out there for people to make. So yes, that would be my advice. Brill. And a favourite, I always ask my guests for a favourite. It can be a book, mm. a film or anything really that's just accessible. Have you thought of a favourite? I have. So what? a little while back, I watched a, a, a feature film, an independent feature film, which I'd noticed had been crowdfunding called A Serial Killer's Guide to Life. All right. I can't remember who wrote it and directed it, but um, one of the actresses, the actor, it's, it's very, very good. It's very, very good for a particular reason, which I'm not going to tell you about, because I want you to watch it. Um, but um, the, the actress in it is called Poppy Rowe, and she is, oh, I think, so she's married to the director, writer, who I think is somebody Staten Rowe, and that the cast are brilliant, the writing is very good, um, I watched it because it's shot by a guy called James Layton who worked on Seeing Him. Oh, right, okay. Um, and I don't want to say too much about it. It's a, it's a low-budget, independent film. That surprised me, and that very rarely happens. Because I, I'm think very, I've heard, I think I've heard <laughs> of it. I think I've heard of it. What is it called? A Serial Killer's... A Serial Killer's Guide to Life. Yeah, I th I, I've it, definitely heard of it. Horror. It's a horror, but it's but it's it's not really. And I don't usually watch horrors because I haven't got the stomach for it. <laughs> Even though I know it's not real, I still can't watch it. Um, but so I was I was I was reluctant to watch this. But it's very dry. It's very dry. It's yeah. a dark. Yeah, oh, I, I I do know about it. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, because obviously in the indie really world, yeah, in the indie world, you're exactly the same as me. You know, you probably I love watching indie films because you know the sweat and blood and tears that's gone into it. But yes, yeah, yeah. so I, I have heard of this because this guy's doing a really great job. Um, so yeah, I will, I will definitely watch that one. I love it when you see, yes. and, and, and you see talent, like you say, that, that poppy oh, row. Yeah. You, you see. Oh, she's, she's so good. And the, and the other, all of them are good actually. The other actress who plays the other main part, she's absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I really recommend watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely watch that. I'll tell you a thing, I was, well, it's why I'm a bit knackered this morning. I would, well, last night I was binge-watching uh, It's a Sin uh, by Russell, Russell T. Davis. Have you watched it yet? No. Wow, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, you know, every now and again you'll get a, a series or a TV show that's like everything, right yeah. acting a lot. Yeah. And it, it, is, it is brilliant. It yeah. really, it really yeah. is so... I'd definitely I'll definitely Yeah. I just kept watching them last night and I thought, Christ, it's one o'clock. I, I like that. With Jumbo when 24 came out when it first came out. <laughs> I was like watching like five episodes in one night. I <laughs> know. Oh, I never, the 24 is quite funny because I never watched it. And then, uh, oh. I, and then I had a home gym and I thought, I want something to watch while I'm training. <laughs> Got 24. I watched, <laughs> never been to fit. Never been to fit. <laughs> What about like box sets? I would, I would say to myself, ignore the cliffhanger. When you get to the end, ignore it. And you just can't. You just like, no! Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah good. It's very, very good. Really, really good filmmaking. Uh, <laughs> now, if people want to get in touch or look at your projects, Vanessa, yeah. where would they go? 
Well, I've got a website for now, thanks to my husband, which is vanessabaileydirector.com, I think. So you can have a look at that. You can watch Bus Stop on that. That's kind of up fully. And so that's kind of like where you can look at what I've done. I'm on Instagram at vbaileyactor, pigeonholing myself nicely there. <laughs> And, and I, I pigeon myself on Twitter as well. So I'm on Twitter with the same thing, at V Bailey Actor. Um, so that's what I kind of like, social media. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, it's been an absolute joy to have you on today, Vanessa. Thanks so Thank much for coming. Oh, no, it's <laughs> and, I, and I really look forward to what, ne what you're doing next. I mean, every time something pops up from you, it's like either you've won another award or, you know, she's doing another film. I'm like, God, does this woman stand still? <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's my. I have to say, it's my team's winning the awards, really, because it's it's not it's not me making them. It's it's yeah, them well, making. You, yeah, you, you you are you are, but yeah, very humble. But like me, I'm very humble as well. <laughs> but no, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, and and Lovely yeah, and, and next time one of your your next short films come out because you've got seeing him, uh, not seeing him. It's uh, the long walk home, isn't it? That's the next one. The long walk home is the next one. Yeah, we're just doing the grade and the VFX on that, so it's it's nearly it's nearly there. Scores done and everything, so it's just the final. <laughs> yeah, and once you and once you can give us details about your feature, yes, I'm definitely I will. interested yes. to hear about that. Yes. Oh. Oh God, I hope, yeah. I'm so excited. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, look after yourself, uh, and I'll speak, and we'll speak soon. Okay. Yeah. Take care, Lee. Thank you very okay, much. Okay. Take care, Vanessa. Bye. Bye. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Vanessa for joining me today and also to you for listening. Make sure you follow the podcast because, like I say, over the next coming months, there's going to be some even more extraordinary interviews. The podcast streams on the usual platforms, iTunes, Spotify, so please leave a rating on them. Subscribe. To keep up to date, follow Facebook, which is My Way Thinking Podcast. Instagram is My What Podcast and Twitter is My Way Thinking with a three on the end and not a G. Tone ass long story. Every week I put the whole conversation on YouTube as well. So if you go my way of thinking podcast, I think that's everything. Now, finally, if you do want to get in touch or you think you may be a great guest, then email me on whatpodcast at AOL.com. Until next time, God bless. Have a great weekend and week. And don't watch that rubbish on Monday. I probably will saying that. Take care. Look after yourself. Speak soon.